This is the We the People, Our American Story podcast. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every week to hear the remarkable stories of veterans, combat survivors, first responders, and American patriots in their own words. If you are pro-freedom and pro-America, you are in the right place. We the People, Our American Story is the podcast for Americans who fiercely and unapologetically love America. There is no better feeling than knowing your family always has access to clean, safe drinking water. The CyberTech Ring A10 Atmospheric Water Generator is the answer to your peace of mind. The A10 generates clean, fresh drinking water out of humidity, creating up to 10 liters of drinking water each day. The A10 is environmentally friendly with a small footprint, a solar option for remote location, and eliminates bottled water. 36-month financing is available around $70 a month. Visit mywatersource.net. Use code PATRIOT, which in turn will help the We the People, Our American Story podcast reach more patriots. Cheers to clean drinking water and the Cybertech Ring A10 Atmospheric Water Generator. On October 27, 1942, Helmut Hübner's stay of execution was declined by Hitler himself. He was given permission to write three letters, one to his mother, one to his grandparents, and one to his close friends, the Sommerfelds. Dear Sister Sommerfeld and family, when you receive this letter, I will be dead. But before my execution, I have been granted one wish to write three letters to my loved ones. I want to thank you for the letter that you sent me, dear Sister Sommerfeld, which they withheld from me. I also want to thank you for the many happy hours I was able to spend in the circle of your family. Please remember me kindly. I am very thankful to my Heavenly Father that this agonizing life is coming to an end this evening. I could not stand it any longer anyway. My Father in Heaven knows that I have done nothing wrong. I know that God lives, and He will be the proper judge of this matter. Until our happy reunion in that better world, I remain your friend and brother in the gospel, Helmut. Helmut's execution was carried out around 8 o'clock p.m. on October 27, 1942. Well, hello, fellow American patriots. I am here with Werner Sommerfeld for part two of his life story. Werner has so much to share with us that I knew I needed to devote two whole episodes to his story. So, Warner, how are you today? Pretty good. Thank you very much. We talked about Germany and what happened there. Mm-hmm. How did your family make their way to America? How did that all come about? Well, maybe I told you last time, you know, my, my mother and father, they got married in 1921, and then two sister missionaries came to their home. And they felt of the spirit, the truthfulness of the Joseph Smith story and the restoration. And they joined the church. So I was actually born and raised in the church when I was, I was baptized, what, 84 years ago. So do you think I need to be baptized again? <laughs> huh? Anyhow, we, that was a rough life during the Hitler regime. And I guess uh, you had a part story. 
before, so so you want to know, I served a mission before I came from 1951 to 53 in Germany. Edwin Cannon was my mission president, he's well known over here, and I served first in Nuremberg, and then in Coburg, beautiful town, and then I finished my mission over in the northern part in Bielefeld, Germany. And then I came here to America. That was my desire for a long time, you know, to many of our neighbors, they turned up their nose. I mean, we belonged to American church, you know. But when we had, maybe I mentioned it last time, I don't want to repeat myself, you need new stuff. But, <laughs> but it's okay, you can repeat yourself. When the air raids went on, it was day and night. Ooh, sky was black with air, airplanes, you know, just dropping. We never could undress, and we had to sleep in our clothes and just had to run to protect ourselves. But it was a funny thing. Those pe- neighbors who who didn't like us, I don't know if that's the case, but when there was an air raid, when we ran for protection in the bunker, they faulted us and they wanted to sit by us. And that's happened quite a bit too. People feel, you know, so some they have some spiritual guide. They're praying and they uh, know Heavenly Father would bless us if we're true and faithful to our covenants. So they wanted to stay by your family mm-hmm. because they felt that God would protect you. Yes. And if he was going to protect you, being near <laughs> you, they it. would be protected. I love it. I <laughs> They're love pretty it. smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very nice. Well, what year did you come to America? I came in 1953. And who right did you come with? Pardon? Did you come by yourself? I came with my my brother and sister, Hedy. She was... She was here before. Her husband had relatives here. So we were privileged to come and help. They can help us. Even so, I had to have a sponsor. It's a Charles Merrill with a beehive motory. That's what, on 7 South, somewhere between East State and Main Street. And I, I don't think I tried to meet him, but I never met him. I talked to others, and he was well known and helped a lot of people to come over here. But the sponsors, they have quite a responsibility. You know, if you break a law to do something, they're responsible for you and any money you owe and stuff. But I, there were some who were sent back. I know of them some. But if you're honest with yourself and your fellow man, I mean, you're blessed. And I was blessed to come over here. Was it hard to leave the rest of your family behind? Were you worried that you would never see them again? They came here, what year? Well, we visited them, when was that? That was quite something. In 1976, I came here in, well, 1953. I met my my wife right after I came here in 1953. There was a German dance in one of the uh, churches here, and there was all the pretty girls, so live, live music, and was a good music, and I looked at all the girls, and oh, the one stood out, and oh, she was a knockout, she was striking. <laughs> oh, and I asked her to dance with me, and she danced. We danced all night, and she was just like a feather. And then I asked her to take her home, 
You know, that's actually my first date as a mission when I came over here to America. And my plan was to come to America after my mission to find a wife, you know. And uh, so I went there and we danced together and I asked her, I'd like to take her home. And she said, never mind, I had a friend who brought me here. And that's the divine too with Heavenly Father. He, he watches over us, I guess. So I asked who the girl was and guess what? I know they knew the girl and the family. We were the same branch in Germany. But this particular girl went to England. That's where she met my wife. And, uh, and she brought her. So I said, who's the girl? Well, I know her. So I went to, to that girl at the dance. She was sitting there too, I said. And she recognized me too, that I, we knew her family. And uh, you brought that beautiful Daphne, my girl I danced with. And she said, uh, you brought her and she got to go back home with you. And she said, never mind, you can take her home. So I took her home and I was not here very long, you know. I still have trouble east, west and north and south and all that kind of stuff. And she left up there. Uh, by the capital, Redondo Avenue, I think it was. And I went up the stairs and uh, rang the bell and wanted to give a good night kiss. And that stupid roommate, <laughs> she turned on the porch light. <laughs> you never forgave the roommate? <laughs> <laughs> then I had enough money to pay for the taxi. I took her home. But then I stood there, no more money, no, no what direction to go. And my, my sister and her husband lived in Armand Street. The upper Armand Street is still good, but the other one by the temple, that's not there anymore. So I walked, I don't know, a long, long, long time to find my place back there. But from then on, we, we dated, made appointments, and it was very special. Uh, my wife... I mean, her mother, she didn't want to have her get married. I think probably the same with you. It's going to be tough for mother let the <laughs> girls go get married, you know. They want a good man for them. And, but I, uh, and she came here, my wife's mother, to Salt Lake. And she wrote my letter to my mother in Germany. She was still there. And she said, my daughter is dating and, and they want to get married. And my daughter does know nothing. She doesn't know how to cook, how to sew. She doesn't know anything. She won't make a good wife. <laughs> and then she, my mother said, well, she had to have it translated. If she doesn't know anything like that, whose fault is it? And she tore up the letter. But then she came over here and she, you know, there was a war with Germany and England, you know, and... She didn't still want to get us married. She caused all kind of problems, but at the end, she was very sweet. I remember her here before she passed away. Over sweet, want to shake my hands and oh, you, I love you and it worked out well with my daughter and I appreciate you. So, uh, Warner, I want to ask you when. Let's back up a little bit. When you came to America. Was there anything when you got here that surprised you or that you weren't expecting? Well, I came on the boat, Italian boat. I loved it. Right after my mission, there was food and stuff and music, and many of the people 
they got sick, they just stood right and threw up overboard. <laughs> and I loved that. You didn't get the seasickness. No. Lucky you. Yeah. And then then we went on a Greyhound bus. You know, first we went to was that Land of Liberty, the woman there. Statue of Liberty? Statue of Liberty. Oh, do you remember what you thought when you saw her? Yeah, I was very happy. And my one of my grandsons, he just was there. Looks like my name is still on there. They saw it. Really? Yeah. Like there's a list of the immigrants yeah. and your name is in yeah. the books. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah, it is. And then we went to the Greyhound bus clear to Salt Lake. That's a long trip on a bus. <laughs> and that bus, those days, they didn't have any such sanitary facilities. We had to stop to go to the bathroom and get food. And, and that it was diff- difficult, but... I didn't like the food, the hamburger, and the root beer. Ooh, I you, now, my husband lived in Europe for a while, and he said a lot of Europeans feel like the root beer tastes like cough syrup. Did you think that? Yes, yes, like medicine. <laughs> now I love it. Okay. And do you like hamburgers now? Yeah. Okay. And I like pizza. I like everything. Yeah. No, that was very, very nice. How long did you and Daphne date before you were married, and what date? Did you get married on? We got engaged August 15th, 1953, and we got married August the 30th, 1954. Wow, that's a long engagement. <laughs> Did she have to make sure that you were the right one? We prayed about it, and we felt good about it. You know, she was a convert, too. Missionaries came to your home, and her mother liked them, and her dad didn't want anything to do with it. And he didn't want her to get baptized till they had a new bunch of elders coming. There was one, he asked her dad, why won't you let your bap- uh, daughter won't be baptized? She said, well, if she wants to, okay, okay, I'll get ba- baptized in April. Was it April 15th? And I received, and it was cold. My, and she was baptized. She was only... 17 when she came to this country, came two years before I came. And she had a hard time getting used to, lived with a, a woman, I guess, had, in the kitchen, had to have to clean and stuff. She had a hard time, but it all worked out well. First we moved, where was that, at Four South, and what's that, where the big high-rise is now. And they that was a little old apartment way back when we left there and then we left somewhere else, moved to, it was on 8th East and 28th South, I guess, a nice little home we bought it for, what, 10000 Oh my goodness, you can't even get a decent car for 10000 anymore. <laughs> and we left there quite a while, and uh, but we, we had almost every two years another child, you know what I mean? We needed more room, and there my my wife, oh, she was very faithful and spiritual. She had a great testimony, and she prayed to Heavenly Father, and we never, I told this story not long ago in my stake. We didn't want to recall the snob hill. Everybody was, you know. <laughs> had, uh, you didn't want to move in with the snobs? Doctors and lawyers and... We couldn't go over $30,000, and we told that to the real estate woman, and she told it, 
I think it went for 35000 this house. Oh, my word. Think of how much you could sell it for now. <laughs> 35000 And she came happily back to me and my daughter, my wife, and she said, they accepted $30,000. So that was another blessing from Heavenly Father we felt, you know. I was happy to move up here. Oh, you said it was white carpet, and there was a guy from the uh, oil company. He lived here, and I understand he was well-to-do, so they made up the $5,000, and we were able to move in here. We've been here 50 years, like I said, I guess, across the street. It's, and they don't have a basement like we. It's 800000 some more than this now. So one of these days I'll be rich like you. With <laughs> I don't know where you got the idea that I was rich, but I like it. You raised your family here then, seven children. Yes. In fact, my mother left it open for anybody we had. Uh, an Indian girl living here. Oh, my the, parents did that as well. Really? Yeah, uh-huh. That was very... I still talked to her the other day, and we visited them once, my wife and I, with her parents and stuff. What did they call that program? Do you remember? For those of you listening, that was a program that was put on by the LDS Church, right? Mm-hmm. The Church of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm where you would have Native American children come and live with you so that you could help them through schooling, right? Yes. And my parents, this was before I was born, had two boys come and live with them. Really? Yeah, with my older siblings, but it was before I was born. So, so you know I know exactly it. what you're talking about. Yep. My older siblings could probably tell you their names. I can't remember them, but there were two boys that came and lived Juanita with them. Juanita was our Juanita. And do you think that was a good experience for your family? Yes, it was very good. And my my kids, they were very good. I got pitched over them together. And like I said, I just called. And she she's a good LDS girl, too. And she had trouble. I don't know it's divorced, but she has a child and good man and uh, has a grandchild now, too. Yeah, very, very nice. No, that was... We also had a guy from China living here. In the oh, a foreign exchange student? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it's a very good experience, too. So, uh, Werner, what was your profession? What did you do for a living? Uh, in Germany, I tried to, well, I want to go where you make furniture, you know, and stuff like that, but there was no room, so I went in the plumbing and served my apprenticeship in the plumbing Klemmner Installateur, they call it. So I turned out with a plumber there, but then I came over here, and they gave me some credit, but I had to go to school again, became a, a journeyman plumber, and worked for other companies, and then I, I went on my own, and that was a great blessing too. You know, it's a challenge, not easy to break up and go on your own, it's, but it's been a great blessing. I had eventually 26 guys working for me. What? What was the name of your company? It was uh, Werner Sommerfeld Plumbing and Heating or Sommerfeld Mechanical, either one. So you did plumbing and heating. Mm-hmm. So it looks like you started your career in 1957, started your own business in 1973. Yes, 1973. So in 1957, worked for many other companies before. 
drove a truck for a cleaning company all over. All those memories and the up and downs, you know, through your life. But it uh, was a great blessing. I did a lot of big buildings all over. And it was enough to provide for your family. Oh, yeah. All those years. We've been very blessed. In fact, when I went in 1976 with my family back to Germany, that was for 76, that was, what, 20 years I'd been in America when I came in 51. When you went back to Germany in 1976, mm-hmm. had it changed a lot since you had been there? Could you still see the destruction from World War II, or had that... Somewhat. It was yeah. built up, yeah. My family liked it, and my wife liked it, and I don't know, having seven kids, you know, went out to eat, and my wife was pretty upset there. <laughs> when we went, you know, the kids, they just rang bunches, and <laughs> and we ordered, and the one guy, he must have been a Nazi. <laughs> Did you say he must have been a Nazi? Not that they were, and I don't know. Uh, he made one remark, and that was not the right thing he should have done, according to my, my wife. He said, your family, they act like they're all Jewish or something. Really? And this oh. was in 1970s? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there was still those hurt feelings? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You had the opportunity to travel to a lot of different places. Can we go down that list? You bet. So we have here, you went to Samoa in 1965. What was that about? That was beautiful too. That was not for the church. That was actually for the government. How did you get with that? I don't know. Were you going there for plumbing? Yeah. (laughs) Really? Uh, It's uh, Heavenly Father guided us to that too, I'm sure. So how long were you in Samoa? Did you go by yourself or did you bring your family with you? We only had five children at that time. So all the family went to Samoa? Yeah. And how long were you in Samoa? Two years. And what were you doing there in Samoa? I was a plumbing superintendent. They had a lot of problems. You know, there was one schoolhouse burned. They lost electricity and everything, and we rebuilt it. And then there was an Air Force housing they had me do. I had about... 30 of the local people, plumbers, tried to teach them and help them. Well, that's pretty impressive. 45 cents an hour they made. They were making the big bucks. You make more than you now, don't you? <laughs> you don't make anything. I only make 45 cents less than that an hour. <laughs> huh. Wow. Anyhow. So you were there to help them to have more indoor plumbing in their infrastructures. Right. Because that was a problem. They were lacking in it. Very much so. And the government, the U.S. government, went in to help them with their sanitation. One uh, quite accomplishment, a blessing for me, you know. They needed a powerhouse. And they said, uh, Governor Aspinall, I wonder if he's still alive. I tried to find out. He was a governor there. And he... He said, we don't need anybody else. Werner Sommerfeld can do it. So I was in charge of a powerhouse. And, of course, they had somebody from, was it Frankfurt? Where was it? I can't remember. Coming, and we conversed, and they helped me, and we did it. Great experience. Very, very special. I've always wanted to go to Samoa. Is it beautiful there? Yeah. You went to Jerusalem, 1979. I knew my daughter... Kathy, oh, special girl. 
She was a wild one when she was a teenager like you. <laughs> and she needed to some strength. And, and she actually lived there. It was a church-sponsored mm. tune. Mm-hmm. And it was a great blessing. She turned around and she was doing well. So did your whole family go over there to visit her? Or just you? Just my wife and myself. What was that like to go to the Holy Land? Very nice. Oh, very special. I'm sure you were able to go to many of the places that oh, yeah, Christ yeah. walked. Yeah, yeah. Was there any one thing in particular that really struck you or that really was emotional for you to visit? Well, they got the prayer wall, you know, within the, uh, we could see where they put him after he was crucified. And it was very touching, very spiritual. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to go there. And I'm still t- in touch with some of them who with, went with my daughter. And we had a gathering a little while ago up in Park City somewhere where they all t- get together who served there. So we we keep up those memories with the people I knew, and that was very special. What happened to you at work? I did many buildings, big buildings, Stackway, Utah. Okay. I had a big contact there. That's I had a lot of people working for me, and we had, uh, at the end of the day, one of the, my men drew the chuck. I just stood on the back, you know, pump and held on. We had to pick up some of the uh, tools and the pipe machine, and... He went backed up. I was thrown off the truck and broke my right ankle. Were you able to recover from that, though? Your ankle healed. That was not easy. Well, you went to Armenia in 1996. It's not like a lot of people say, I want to go to Armenia. Why did you go to Armenia? That was actually, Armenia was a mission. We served three missions in the area. This Um, is you and your wife, and you served a mission for the Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that was a beautiful thing. So you were in Armenia for three years? No. Okay. A year and a half. A year and a half. And then did you come home and then you went to Ukraine? Yeah, Yeah, Armenia, that was very special too. In fact, I still got a friend coming, visiting here. I baptized the guy there. And in Armenia, it was pretty scary too, you know, where they had something to kill the president at that time. We couldn't go to our apartment. They had big tanks. They're quite a story, but Armenia is very religious, you know. They probably have more memories from Jesus Christ than any of us. And I went to their churches and stuff. They taught me to go there. Quite similar to baptism, you know. And and where they had the or Noah's Ark up there in Armenia somewhere. You know this story. Yeah, on uh, Mount Arafat. Yes. So you were in Armenia for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Then you came home, and then you decided you were going to go back again, so you went to Ukraine yes. in 1999. Yes. Boy, let's talk about Ukraine, because that hasn't been in the news lately, has it? Yeah. <laughs> so you were going back again as a missionary couple? Yes. And how long were you in Ukraine? About the same, a year and a half. And that was beautiful. We've been all over. I was in the mission presidency in, of course, Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, you were the mission presidency. In the mission presidency. And when you went to Armenia, you went as a missionary couple. And then when you went to Ukraine, you were in the missionary presidency. Right. And then you went to Russia in 2002. Were you in the missionary presidency there as well? I was. 
And how long did you stay there? Another year and a half? Yes. Did you learn to speak any of the languages? Just a little. My wife, you know, women that like you, your husband told me you're way smarter smarter. than you are. (laughs) No, my wife, she always wanted higher education in, in Europe. There was no possibility for us to do it, you know. But then when she came here, she wanted a uh, higher education, and after we had, you know, children, seven, the last couple, and I was in a position, I did make pretty good money, and I, I let her go up to the University of Utah, and she signed up there, and she was accepted, and like I said, my wife had a brother, they were close, close friends, very competitive, but uh, my wife, she just was able to advance much faster and learn. What did she get her degree in? Did she finish? She was a major in Russian, minor in German. Oh, wow. That's impressive. So if she were here with us today, she could speak some Russian to me, but you can't? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, she taught Limbus High for several years. Oh, wow. Okay. Some still call me. They all remember my wife and her kindness and teaching. She was you know, up the university. She did her homework. They had returned missionaries. They probably thought they speak better than the wife. And what are you doing here? You're not a Shirley Temple, but we don't need you here. You're not a Shirley Temple? Yeah. <laughs> I love Shirley Temple, by the way. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, when I when I was little, I used to watch Shirley Temple movies every time I, I come home I from church. They were on, and I would watch them. I yeah. love Shirley Temple. And a lot of people don't probably even know what a great woman she was. Yeah, very much so. Yes, an ambassador. I mean, she was an incredible woman. The teacher there... Uh, he was impressed with my wife, you know, and they did their homework and all before the class he he returned my wife's homework in the class there and he was very impressed and they said she is the best student in the whole class and all the missionaries can be set by you in the days to come and uh, compare notes and stuff. Yeah, you know, very, very special. I am curious because of everything going on with Ukraine and Russia right now, and you have been with the Ukrainian people, you have been with the Russian people. So, what do you make of all of this that is going on? Well, I don't know. Russia, they always were, you know, from the. I, I really feel bad for them. It was a good time when we went there. We had a good relation, and we had. Many joined the church, and I'm in t- touch with some of them. You know, they're going through the same thing my family went through in Germany. We never could address it. We talked about it before. The, so, I uh, imagine you feel bad for both the Russian and the Ukrainian people. Yeah. That, because they're, it's not them, it's their government, right? Yeah. It's their governments, they're having the problem, and the people just get stuck in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, many times we felt so bad, you know. My wife and I went to the uh, bread store, get some food, and there are old people coming, they no money, and we gave them some money. Well, we had a good job here, you know, with the government, but... Well, Werner, you are, let's see, how old are you? 19, 29, 39, 49, 59, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 
Are you 93? Yeah. 93? Your math's pretty good. Hey, look at that. You are 93 years old. Mm-hmm. And you have lived a full life. You have had some tragedies happen to you. You lost your daughter to cancer. Yeah, you have seven children. Fun. You lost one daughter to cancer. And then you oh, lost wow. your son who drowned, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. What is that like for a parent to lose not one child, but two it's, it's, of your beloved children? What is that hard. like? Very, very hard, very devastating. You know, them are 93 and they are gone to the other side when they are just prime of life, you know. It's, but there again, like you say, you get in the church. What a blessing it is to know that we live forever. Joseph Smith, Joseph Smith had a hard life. Oh, man, what he went through. He brought it back, the gospel in his phone. It's never to be taken away again till Jesus Christ comes. And that we have our families. I mean, i got my Kathy and my Ed. On the other side, we'll be all a happy family together. You believe that too, don't of you? Of course I do. I don't know. I feel sorry for people who don't. You lost your beautiful, smarter uh, than you. Very <laughs> much so. Very much so. Daphne in... 2015. Mm-hmm. You had been together for how many years? You got married in, let's double check here, where is it you got married? 1954, so 61 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that like to be without your Daphne? It's empty. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, like you said before, I don't know how you can face those things without the gospel, you know, but where we know we live forever and Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ came to this earth to show us a way, you know. No, I'm, uh, it's, I, I love life and I love people and I'm grateful to meet you, the number one lady here on this earth, you know. <laughs> the number and, uh, one lady on this earth. I don't know, we, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before we were invited to speak to a Stake Youth Fireside in Provo. Oh, that was, uh, that's another uh, uh, Heavenly Father guides us, you know. I learned through my life, nothing comes by accident, and that's a great blessing, and I can tell you connection to that, but you, you got another appointment, you got to leave me here. <laughs> I'm in no big hurry, Warner. Uh, anyhow, they had 400 kids there where I spoke. You should meet him, my good friend, Alan Keel. He is a professor at BYU. Alan Keel? Alan Keel. Okay. You know him? No. But I know him for 50 years. Alan Keel, he's a professor over history. Oh. And I know him for 50 years. Oh, wow. Yes, I would and love to talk to him. And he came 50 years ago to my home. You know, and and he uh, interviewed my mother, and that's where all my story come from. It's building up bigger and better since then. And I'm invited with him. They're going to have a fundraising uh, thing at the uh, University of Utah for the poor German, I mean, not, not the German this time, that was for the... Ukrainian, $1,000 mm. a plate. Do you want to come? Oh, wow. I don't think I can afford that. 
Uh-huh. That might be a little bit out of my price range. Will you uh, will you loan me the money? Yeah. Werner, before we started this podcast, you and I were talking a little bit about the National Covenant. Mm-hmm. About a National Covenant. And you wanted to touch a little bit on how America has changed since you came here. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some of it is not for the best. Right. Can you share with us a little bit about how you feel America has changed? Well, there's another thing from Howard Bidoff, who was a mission president over the first one over in Ukraine, Russia. I went to his funeral. He he said too, if if we well, the leaders we have, they're not not righteous leader, and. We have to suffer with the wicked people, the righteous, because of it. And and there's many other testimonies I can quote you there. But uh, when I came to this county, oh, this is my home. I love America. I still love America, and I I like it better than Germany. I don't want to go over there again, maybe for a visit. All my family over there, and I was raised under, under the socialized medicine, all that kind of stuff. And they're still like Biden. They still like that kind of all in Europe, the whole thing, you know that. And I, I'm away from it. I, and I don't know if you heard uh, Dieter Uchtdorf. Who say that name again? Uchtdorf. Yes, say Dieter. It, yes, you say that really well. He is, um, for those of you who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Dieter F. Uchtdorf, but Werner, you say it because you say it so good. You say it so well. Say it again. Dieter Uchtdorf. I love that because he is German, and uh, Elder Uchtdorf is what we consider an apostle. We believe that Elder Uchtdorf is one of the 12 apostles um, that are here on this earth as <laughs> a representative of Jesus Christ. the older church, you know. The, yeah. The, I never knew him in Germany. I knew him here uh, several times. Uh, what are we getting wrong in America right now? I don't know. It's just another one, the elder, uh, what's the first counselor? We get a prophet as Elder Tanner, I mean Elder Nelson. Russell Nelson? And who's the other one? Uh, are you talking about um, Dallin H. Oaks? Yeah, I... I I met him on the mission of a nice field. And I like his background when he talks about the. He's well he's very He's very pro-American. Oh, oh. And he, he makes some people angry because he will get up and he will speak what I consider to be the truth about America. Mm-hmm. This is a sacred place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. What do you think that people here in America don't understand about living here and the blessings that we have here? What don't we get? I don't know what it is. You probably know better than I am. It's just, it's not the same America than it used to be. I mean, Heavenly Father, with the Elder Oaks talks about it. I got a whole thing from Elder Oaks, the Constitution. Mm. Do you think not enough of us know about the Constitution Mm. and what's in it? Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. I mean, Heavenly Father blessed the land of America and blessed us. If we are true and faithful, we'll be 
blessed and we have boundaries of the earth and be happy. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I'm still blessed a lot and I'm grateful for it. But it's just not the same America, even within the church and our ward. We have a brother, I like him, and he, we talk quite a bit, but he's a strong uh, Democrat. And, and even general authorities, we got some Democrats. So What's up with that? <laughs> Werner's I, shrugging his shoulders. <laughs> I... I don't know, I bring that often up. It's it's not a scripture, but people tell me, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saints, you cannot be a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, Warner, do you consider yourself a German or an American? I'm American, and yet I'm very blessed in Germany with my mother. She was a true faithful human. She had a strong testimony. The way she raised me and taught me, I'll be ever grateful for her. She came to this country and I, she went to Samoa. She went to places here, you know, before she passed away. Very, very good life. Yeah, very, very special. Is there a message that you would give to Americans about this country? And in fact, my last question that I always ask, and I'll just ask you this to end our time together. What does America mean to you? And you can add in there what you might want to tell anyone that's listening about America and what it means to you and what we need to do to get America back on track. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, like I said, I, I lived in America now for how long? I came in fifty. 53. So I've been here how long? Oh, here you go again. You're going to make me do my math, huh? So, Um, like 70 years? You've been here 70 years. Yes, at least. And I came to land, I learned to love respect, and I became a citizen, and I was proud of it. I love my background and my experience and blessings in Germany. And most of all, because of being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the way my mother taught me and was an exam- example. In fact, she was kind and loving and helped everybody, and that's what it's all about. And it was the same when I came to America, but something changed. And I guess that was prophesied and predicted it will come. And it might even get worse. And we are facing a lot of trials, and I don't know how they can come away from the principle of the gospel and the constitution of America to what we are standing right now. It's unbelievable. And uh, I pray every day, too, you know, since we have more Republican in the House now, uh, that they may work together, but it looks like they don't. It doesn't work well. And I don't know what's going to happen in the, uh, 2024. I don't think Biden will make it. Uh, he's too old, they tell me, but who knows? What he's almost as old as you. <laughs> but who knows what's going to happen? But I hope, pray, we will have somebody who brings it back to what it was. I don't know. It's, uh, 
but we got to be true in faith and Heavenly Father will bless us if we keep our covenants. Well, how do you feel about America? What does America mean to you? I love America. I love and love people in America. And there's still more good people than bad people, and let's keep it that way. But it's been a choice land. A land above all other lands is a choice land. And it used to be. It's not quite as choice right now, is it? But America is home to you. Yeah, it is home to me. Oh, Warner. And, uh, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Oh, Thank it's you. it's been a pleasure with you. Yeah, we've been... We've been here almost an hour, huh? Yes, thank you for sharing your story. So where are you going now? Where am I going now? Thank you for listening to this episode of Another Fellow Patriot. Be sure to check the show notes for links to this week's guest. For more connection to the podcast, visit www.wethepeopleouramericanstory.com for social media links, patriotic merchandise, and to sign up for the We the People newsletter. And finally, be a voice, a strong voice, a voice for freedom. As Benjamin Franklin so eloquently stated, where liberty dwells, there is my country.